0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Voices of Western. This is the Humans of Western podcast where we aim to delve deeper into the lives of our current students, alumni, and staff. My name is Madison and I'm joined by my co-host, Hossein. Before we begin, be sure to follow us on Instagram at humans underscore Western, our Facebook page, and of course our new TikTok account at humans of Western.
1: That's great. Thank you, Madison, as always. Today, our guest is Devish Tulukani. He's a recent graduate of Western and Ivy. You might have seen his posts on LinkedIn about productivity tips here and there, or even his own podcast, previously known as Progressaholics, and uh, recently rebranding to the climate change changepreneurs. Um, Devesh is a person who loves to help others, and I'm sure he would love to share more about that. So why don't you take it away, Devesh?
2: Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Hussein and Madison. Really appreciate the intro um, and super, super, super excited to get into it. I mean, Western gave me a lot. So um, yeah, really happy to dive more into the questions.
1: So to begin with, why don't you just tell us about, you know, where you're from, what you studied at Western and your journey?
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, originally from Dubai, lived there for about, um, i say, 17 and a half years um, and then, um, uh, Dubai is a great place to be, you know, a great place to grow up. Uh, but the university system isn't the best over here because it's a city that's been built over the last 20 years. So a lot of kids that, you know, graduate from here from high school tend to go to other countries to, you know, for further education. So the U S UK, Canada, Australia, Singapore, as such. Uh, so about a few options. I was looking at the U S looking at Canada, the UK, um, Canada, Canada tend to be the most, uh, I guess economically best option and for the future as well. So I decided, Hey, you know, what's, what's the best, like, you know, business programs in Canada, Western Ivy was up there, decided let's apply. Let's see how it goes applied. um, And yeah, came to Canada in 2017, August. This is from the date, August 26th, 2017. Uh, I arrived um, no family. Um, I think I knew two people in the entire country from before, like friends as such. Um, but they weren't even Canadians. So they were from like Dubai that I knew they were going there. Uh, but other than that, yeah, no family or no friends in the country, completely new place, um, You know, decided to take the plunge, came to Canada. Um, and then I did four years of Western. We can dive a bit more into the, uh, how that was, but I did four years of Western, best four years of my life, hands down. Uh, and uh, now I've graduated from Western and working full-time in Toronto. Um, so yeah, that's a bit more about the, the journey overall, I guess.
1: So when you first came to Western, you mentioned that you didn't know anyone uh, or how I would like to phrase it as starting from scratch, having like zero network. Um, I was wondering how that was like for you. Like, was it difficult to meet new people or exciting to meet a person every day?
2: Yeah, definitely. Hussein, I'm guessing you can relate with it as well, being Kuwait. Um, but, you know, excuse me, uh, but when you're coming in um, and you know no one else, um, one thing I realized was quite a few people like from the GTA, first of all. So they knew some people through their high school or there were other connections that they already had coming in. Um, and me not knowing basically anyone there, I had to kind of like, you know, figure out another way to meet like a large amount of people and then figure out like who you, who you get close to basically. Uh, so for me, basically what I did was um, I pushed myself to basically meet one new person every single day um, throughout, especially throughout the first semester. The second semester I did it, but it calmed down a bit more, but the first semester especially. Uh, so I was in Ontario Hall, um, as a residence at Western, for those who don't know. And uh, what I would do is is like every day, you need to have lunch or dinner there because it's the calf. So what I would do is, is I would just go up and speak to one new person every single day in the calf. So like, let's say you know, I get my food and I see, let's say Madison sitting down the corner somewhere in the calf. I'll just go and say hi to her, you know, sit, be like, can I sit down there, start talking with her? We might hit it off. We might not. Um, You know, if you hit it off with a person, that's great. You you know, they can become better friends with them, get to know them a lot better. Sometimes you don't hit hit it off with that person. But it was basically like a numbers game at that point. Um, And that's sort of at least how I was able to sort of, you know, meet a lot of people, especially in the first semester. And I'm not going to lie, it was pretty nerve wracking at the starting when you're going up to a random person you're like hey can i can i sit with you um it's like a bit vulnerable moment but at the same time it's how i met my best friends today and uh, how i met basically like most of the people that i know at western you know just going up to them taking the initiative um, and you also learn from that that i'd say about 90 of people want to meet new people uh, they just don't want to take the first step of course it's five or ten percent of people that don't want to be bothered. Um, but yeah, I'd say most people would do want to meet other people.
0: Interesting. I always find during the first couple of weeks of uh, first year, everyone's kind of eager to meet other people and stuff like that, but throughout the year, it kind of uh, dwindles down a bit. So I'm kind of curious as to, did you go up and sit at random people's tables, like in February, or as you said, it kind of dwindled down second semester, but I'm kind of curious to see how that worked out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, definitely. So I would say I dwindled down a bit because you start to like develop these bonds. And at that point, you get a bit lazy at times uh, to like meet new people. But I still somehow, you know, um, would push myself as much as I could, because actually a bit of a personal background. I grew up pretty socially anxious um, until I'd say the age of 15, or 16, I'd say. And um my way of getting over that social anxiety was to do the same thing when I was in Dubai, speak to like, you know, new people every single day in any capacity, whether that was at school, whether that was, you know, I'm at the store and I'm just, you know, talking to someone there, but it was like, how can I basically push myself to meet new people? Um, So that was a bit of a personal journey for me as well. Like, you know, I didn't want to kind of, it's like a muscle basically, where if you don't work that muscle out, it starts to contract more and more. And I'm sure people felt that during COVID. So I did try my best to do it, but sometimes it wasn't through the calf as such. It was through other ways. Like, you know, you'd be sitting in class next to a new person or, you know, you're meeting new people through clubs or through social events, um, you know, when you're out at nights. So there's different ways to meet new people, um, but it's just about basically putting yourself out there. I do think though, Masson, I would say that I've still met people in third and fourth year as well that are more than happy to meet new people, especially after COVID. Um, We're all social beings. So, you know if you're a decent person it shouldn't be too bad How hard to meet new people
1: that's a great point especially about meeting new people in upper years i know my third year was spent in covid it was a covid year for me but then transitioning back to in person classes it was easier to find those connections with people and have you know friendships especially surprising you get to work on lots of group projects in fourth year And that was a good time for me to, you know, meet like-minded people who are in similar courses. So I do think it's never too late to make friendships. Like I personally, quite opposite. I didn't make lots of friendships in the first semester when I was at Perth Hall, but then second semester was a lot better when I got used to a new country, got adapted and felt more comfortable, you know, approaching people.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you should something really important, you know, like that, that, that what that fear, but that you know that uncomfortable feeling of approaching a new person. Um, I also felt that another thing Hussein we could touch a bit on this was my internationalists actually helped a lot of people think it hinders them. So let's say you're from the GTA, I'm from the GTA, and you know you're, like you're from Vaughan, I'm from Oakville. Cool, like we both know how life is like in Vaughan and Oakville because we've, we've grown up in that area. Um, but let's say you're like you're from Vaughan and I say I'm from Dubai. Automatically we have, we have a point to talk about. And if I'm there, of course, you can take the conversation wherever you want, but automatically it's like an intrigue that the person has about you. Like, you know, I'm from Kuwait or I'm from Dubai or I'm from South Africa. Like it's a different way of living and you already have a crutch for the conversation to move on. So I kind of found it as a, as a bit of a plus point instead of a negative, which I think a lot of international students kind of get stuck in and I don't blame them. You know, it is hard for sure. Um, But I also think it's a bit of a perspective thing as well.
1: That's a good point to mention. Thanks for like bringing that up. I think it's it's important. It's like a different experience that international students go through. So people have different kind of experiences with it. That's for sure.
0: It's really interesting to compare your experience to mine. I am from the GTA, right? So I kind of came to Western knowing, I think about 20 people came from my high school. And so even though we weren't best friends in high school, I kind of had people to hang out with like during the first couple of weeks. And now those people have actually become my best friends. And so it's kind of funny how, even though we didn't hang out in high school, we were best friends now through Western, which is kind of interesting, but it is interesting to once again, compare those experiences as a person from the GTA and then international students.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've met people like one of my, like one of my best friends is from Oakville, And he told me that from his high school, he had 60 people that were there as an example. So he used 60 people going into Western. Um, as an example. And then, of course, when you go to Western, you meet their friends or friends. Uh, another another one of my really close, close friends is from so- Mississauga, and he knew about 40 people from his high school, as an example, that went there. So just this, this to elaborate on your point, but yeah, I can definitely, definitely agree with that.
1: Wow. Have some like big high schools, 40 people. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if they're in the same program or not, but like that's, that would be cool. You have like the entire classroom as your friends. Um, you go to Western as an international student takes kind of some time to get used to a whole new country, but then you do take some initiatives. Some of them include the Ivy sales club or your own podcast. Would you like to talk more about those?
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And just to put it in perspective, my graduating class is 37 people. So just to just to put it in perspective. Um, but yeah, uh, I would say, yeah, so when, when I came to Western, you know, after first year, especially, you know, when it you're not on res anymore, you want to meet new people as well. Uh, so there are a couple of different things I did. Um, one was, you know, I joined an organization called Isaac, AIE, and basically they send people on exchanges and volunteer experiences around the world. So let's say you want to go volunteer um, in a school in Taiwan or at a hospital in Ghana. They basically facilitate, facilitate these experiences around the world, and it's run by students. It's for students. Everything is basically my students. So that was an incredible way to push myself. Um, Cause you know, started off, you know, selling the product to students, you know, first you build those like sales skills, but you also meet a lot of new people. And the second part was also like leading a team. Cause you, then you lead a bunch of you know sales individuals under you. Um, more importantly, also we did a lot of conferences that were like Ontario wide. Um, as we, like each chapter in like each university in Canada had its own chapter. So UBC would have a chapter. McGill would have a chapter UFT. So you end up meeting a lot of people from different you know, uh, universities as such, especially for an international student that doesn't really have a network in different universities. Um, It's it's pretty cool to like make that happen. As an example, um, I met a few people from McGill and uh, from McGill and Concordia. And the next time, whenever I go to Montreal, like I always meet them every single time. And that was through Isaac as an example. Uh, So that was really fun. Um, And then after that, you know, when I joined Ivy, um, I saw that they didn't really have anything for sales. Uh, they were super focused. Like, I mean, the clubs were super focused on consulting, um, investment banking, but there was not really anything for sales as such. Uh, so my co-founder, she came up with the idea, said, do you want to get hop on board? So it would be amazing. So let's do it. Uh, so we founded the club in our fourth year, which is like last year, the 2020, 2021 year. Uh, so that was a uh, whirlwind, especially when you're starting a club from scratch and there is no funding. There's no, uh, there's no like ex-presidents to kind of hand everything off to you. You're figuring it out on your own. Uh, so that was an experience in itself. Um, and then, yeah, lastly, um, I started a podcast when I was uh, in th- third year, basically in my third year. And that was an incredible experience. You know, I started a podcast called Progressaholic. And the whole idea was I was interviewing people that are, you know, involved in the personal development space and the social impact space. And with that, um, when you're like a 20 year old student and you wanna like, you know, you wanna reach out to people that are a lot more successful than you. Like starting a podcast can be a really interesting way to do it, and I'm sure you both have seen that as well because people are more than happy to talk about their lives for 40 minutes. Um, so that was a really interesting experience of like building a network as an international student um, with people that are a lot more ahead of me. I got my first job offer through the podcast. Um, I've met like friends through the podcast, like friends that. That are in the area, like for example, um, when when the pandemic like you know opened up and everything opened up in Toronto. When I moved to Toronto, I met like four or five people that I met through LinkedIn for the podcast, as an example. You know, so that experience opened up so much. We can talk more about it in detail, but that's a bit of just uh, a bit of an overview of the different things that I did and how that impacted myself.
1: Those were so many. So like we have to dissect each of them one by one. But uh, first of all, I want to start with Isaac you mentioned how you got the chance to meet people who are from different universities. It wasn't through conferences. Like how did that happen?
2: Yeah, definitely. So every um, like semester they would have at least one or two conferences um, where they would have like an Ontario conference where all the universities in Ontario would basically come together in one area as such. So like my first conference that I went to was at Laurier. So it was all the Ontario universities, like their Isaac yeah, like representatives coming together about 200 people as an example, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and all of them coming together. And then it's like a three-day conference on the weekend, you know, you work around like what's working for each chapter, you go over different like activities and all that kind of stuff. And of course you have socials at night. So it's a great way to meet like really interesting people from around the province. And then you also have like, you know, national conferences where everyone from Canada comes in. You have like Eastern conferences where it's like, you know, Ontario, Quebec, and like all the Eastern provinces. Uh, so yeah, there was like at least one to two events a semester. And I've, I personally, have been to, I think about four events you know, myself. Um, so yeah, each one of them was, it's a lot of fun, but you also learn a lot as well.
1: Now, like when you look back in hindsight about your whole experience at Western, um, like what are some of the things that shaped you? I know you took lots of initiative, lots of leadership opportunities, but how did they shape you into the person that you are today?
2: That's an interesting question. Um, I would have never assumed like five years. If you asked me like maybe six years ago, like when I was like 17, 16, that I'd be able to create a life of my own, um, post-graduation and, um, be able to kind of figure everything out along the way I went. You know, and Western really helped me do that as an example. Whether it was, you know, improving my communication skills, helping me build an incredible uh, friend circle in the country, or, you know, by pushing myself constantly um, from every aspect. Um, it's been interesting not to sound like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I've been able to surprise myself a lot more than I could uh, I can imagine. And it's like, okay, I can do more than this. Then somehow or the other, I keep pushing myself to do more than that. So that's been really interesting. I think that if I was back home um, and I, I think you know, Dubai is a great city and I love my family, but you are in your comfort zone a bit more over here. So automatically your growth, whether it's professional, personal, um, in all aspects, tends to take a bit longer but over there, it's accelerated to the next level because you don't have a choice. You have to grow. So I'd say that's probably been the biggest thing. Um, just keep surprising myself with what I can hopefully achieve. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's just been a like nine months since getting out of Western. So there's still a lot more to do, I guess.
0: That's really great to hear that your Western experience was so rewarding. Um, It kind of feeds into our next question. So after graduation, you decided to move to Toronto instead of going back to Dubai, for instance. So I'm just curious as to what that transition was like after graduating and then moving into professional work.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, It's interesting because you don't, uh, um, first of all, buying furniture was a lot more harder than expected for some reason. But yeah, anyways, um, like furnishing your own apartment for the first time. yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience, uh, you know, moving to Toronto, it's a big city, you know, it's, it's not the same kind of like university town that Western is, uh, another th- one thing I realized was that people find it a lot more easy, harder to meet new people, uh, once they graduate from, from university. Uh, so when I moved to Toronto, luckily, you know, a lot of my friends that graduated moved as well. So you meet friends or friends, um, and there's other ways to meet people in Toronto through meetup groups, you know, joining specific events or clubs as such but it was interesting to see, um, you know, living the adult life as such, uh, also another thing that you realize is, is that you don't only chill with people that are at the same age anymore. So I'd say over the last few months, my social circle has started to include people that are 25 and above 27, 28, 30, 31 as well. And I'm like 22 about to turn 23, but uh, you start meeting people that are different stages of life and you end up learning a lot more from them as well. So that was very different to what you get at Western where it's like everyone is between like 18 and 22 and you end up only mostly chilling with people from your year as well. So like if you're 18, you're gonna chill with 18 year olds as an example. Um, so that's been a really interesting experience in itself. Um, and also when you got to manage everything by yourself, you know, financially in every aspect possible, you um, cause you don't have a lot of crutches that you do have at Western. That's been an interesting experience as well. Um, and yeah, your growth automatically tends to explode from there.
1: So to be clear, you moved to Toronto for the first time, right? Like you stayed in London for four years and then you decided, you know what, I want to move to a new city and let that be Toronto. Is that correct?
2: Exactly. Did I was at Western until May, 2021. And then from May, 2021 onwards I moved to, um, Toronto, basically. I've been there for, I think, about nine months since we were speaking right now. Ten months, I think, yeah.
1: And uh, the reason I'm asking this is because it's interesting. Like, I want to know more about why would someone make this decision, you know, to leave a place where they are comfortable now and have lived in for like four years uh, and go to a new place where they have not much friends. Well, we had some people who were on the podcast, so you knew them. But not many friends, not a super familiar place to you and I'm curious more about the thought process I wanted to do that.
2: The reason why I wanted to move was first off because of the job opportunities um, it's much better in it's much better in uh, Toronto than they are in London as an example. Um, also, yeah London was great. yeah Western was great, but there's a time and place for everything I think like you know, Every, every area has an expiry date, not an, not an expiry date, but every like city or whatever has an expiry date in your, in your life. So like Dubai was great for me for 18 years, um, but it's a good city to come back and visit like, you know, once a year as an example. Um, London is again, a great city that I go to, you know, I'll go and visit London once or twice a year. Um, but it's also like about moving on and figuring out what else is out there. And if there's any place that you want to accelerate your career, at least in Canada, Toronto is a great place to be. And I decided, hey, let's try it out for a year. Worst case scenario, like what's the worst case scenario? I don't like it. I can move on to somewhere else, you know? So I think at times when you can define the worst case scenario for yourself, it's a lot more easier to make bigger moves in your life. So let's say I want to move to Vancouver tomorrow. I'm like, I want to try Vancouver. Okay, I look at my finances. I'll see like, okay, whether this move is possible. Um, I make the move for like a year and I'm like, if it doesn't work out, I can always come back to my base in Toronto. If it does work out, that's great. You're moving to Vancouver and, and you're, you're from there. Like you decide to move there for, for a while. Um, but I think sometimes when you define the worst case scenario, you realize it's not as hard um, or it's not as bad as you think it is. I think that was the biggest thing for me.
1: I like the way of thinking about the worst case scenario because by the way, I'm considering doing the same thing. So I wanted to know like how you did it. And at the same time, Uh, like during trips for example during a reading week or other times when I go to Toronto I just see how much the world is bigger than what I'm used to like right now as students who are in the western bubble basically spending most of our time on campus or for me all of my time on campus because I'm a residence don as well I have to stay on campus in residence but um, seeing how big the world is, or Toronto is, how there are plenty of opportunities, people of different age groups that could be your friends, I think that's a good one. And I'm sure Madison would also like be happy to talk about this too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear about your thought process. I know Hossein and I are graduating at the end of this year, so it's kind of daunting to know you have so many options post-grad. It's kind of hard to narrow it down as to what you want to do. And so, yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, looking at okay, what's the worst case scenario, and going from there.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And and if you don't mind me asking, like, how's it been for you to kind of charting the path for yourselves as well? Like in the next, I guess we're almost like three months away from graduating, I think.
0: Yeah, I know. For me, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'm not sure if I want to go to grad school or just go right into work. So I decided to take a gap year. I think that's the best option for me. Watching my friends do grad school applications this year has been kind of funny to like be on the out, outside looking in because they're so busy doing grad school apps on top of their regular school work. So I think that was the good decision. Um, but we'll see what the what the uh, where the year takes me. I guess.
1: And I guess for me, I'm not too certain on grad school because there's nothing that I have on top of my mind. I don't want to do it because everyone else is doing it because that's not the person who I am. Like I have to have everything defined and have it be worthwhile my time to be spending on it. So that's out of the window. For me, I guess it would be either finding a full-time job or doing a gap year, traveling the world.
2: And it's interesting you mentioned, like you both mentioned that as well, because it kind of puts the point across that, you know, everyone has, it sounds cliche, but everyone genuinely has their own journey. Um, And especially when you're at Western or for me, it was also like Ivy as well, where everyone, they're like extremely high achievers. It can be easy to compare yourself to everyone else, be like this person got into this grad school or this person got this incredible job and and I didn't. but like one of my mentors told me this, I was actually just having a conversation with him last week. Um, and he said, like, you want to achieve everything, but you're only like 22. Trust me, there's a long way to go. So just take it step by step. Because the, the, the thing that we have that a lot of people don't is time. And time is like, like, literally, he was telling me, he's like, I could be 40 and like a millionaire. But if I could go back to being 22, and just like, you know, having these like wide eyes about the world and not knowing what's going to happen. It's an incredible feeling. So he's like, enjoy that experience of like not having a defined path as well, which is like counterintuitive advice to what we get because we're always told that you need to have everything figured out before you graduate. Um, But yeah, people don't have stuff figured out. That's for sure.
1: I mean, that's amazing. Uh, If you don't open social media, that would be great advice. (laughs) Sometimes I even consider deleting um, Instagram and Facebook off of my phone just for the same reasons because... For some reason, somehow every 22-year-old out there sense of their life defined and they know what they are doing, or at least that's what they show. <laughs> so this is good advice.
2: Trust me. It is like some people tell me that, like you know, when they see some of my stuff on LinkedIn, because I just I like sort of train my thoughts there. They're like, oh, you have everything figured out. Listen, I have nothing figured out. I have no idea what my passion is. I have no idea what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like genuinely like a zero idea. But like what I've told myself is that let's just follow a thread that you find interesting. So let's say you find this specific thing a bit interesting, try it out for like maybe a year or so. Worst case, you can move on to something else. Uh, and the more people I've met, like that are older than me as well, the more people I've realized that everyone's trying to figure the stuff that we call life basically out.
1: And like, since you mentioned about LinkedIn and posting under, I guess it's a good time to also talk about this you know, topic, what's LinkedIn, what's networking, what's your take on it? How has it been impactful in your experience? Um, Lots of things are being thrown here and there. So I would like to learn from someone who has actual experience.
2: Yeah, definitely. So there's like two aspects here. One is like the creating content on LinkedIn. The second part is the networking. Maybe I'll start with the creating content because that's what best people do, I guess, on the platform. Uh, For me, it was just a way for me to kind of share my thoughts in the space and a way for me to promote my podcast. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, and through that process of you know, just sharing you know, what I was learning, I wasn't like creating, but I was just curating content. So I would learn, let's say something in a book today and then I would go and speak about it. Like I would go and write about it tomorrow on LinkedIn. So that was a really interesting process because first of all, I used to hate writing. Like I despised it. And somehow the other, I've started to fall, not in love with it, but I'd say my relationship has improved a lot more with writing. Uh, and I've actually started to enjoy it a lot more. So that was number one, like, you know, figuring out something that I do enjoy. The second thing was that the opportunities that open up from you just putting out content, whether that's, you know, um, you know business opportunities, whether that's uh, job offers, whether that's friends, more than anything, in this case, the networking. The friends that have made through the platform uh, just from putting out content and then people finding you, shooting you a message, being like, hey, I like your content. Then you just, you know, you start following their content. And then before you know it, you know, you get, you guys jump on a call together and, you know, you're just basically like, that's how a lot of times you get to know people through the platform. Um, so I think the biggest, 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 biggest positive thing has been is like leave everything else aside has been the friends I've been able to make that I can call, you know, like really good, really good friends um, through that platform just from putting myself out there. And of course, at times, um, with any kind of content you put out, you are going to get that 5% of people that you know, may not like your stuff and uh, uh, may spread hate as such. But look, at the same time, there's also 95% of people that are supporting you. It's about who you want to focus on at that point. So that experience was incredible in itself. Um, when it comes to networking as such, um, I think it gets a pretty bad rep. I was speaking to a second year yesterday and he was like, yeah, I feel really sleazy You know, when I think about networking or coffee chats. Um, but one thing I realized is that networking in the end, what is it? It's creating relationships with people. And that means you're basically making friends as such to put it in the most like basic context possible. So when you kind of rewired from like, hey, I'm trying to get something out of this person to, hey, I'm just trying to find out more about their role, uh, what their passions are, what their interests are. Uh, and whether that aligns with myself, it changes the game for you from, and it's a very hard mental mindset to take because we're inherently selfish. But um, once you start to kind of at least look at it from like, a, I'm just trying to like develop relationships or friendships here, it, it definitely changes the game when networking. So I think those would be a couple of thoughts. We can dive deeper into whatever you'd like to. And just to
1: give an example for our audience uh, about LinkedIn, two years ago, I think yeah, it was 2020. Uh, I had no idea who Devish was. Like, I had no idea. I had not met him, even though he was an international student. Well, he was a year older than me, so that's the reason why. Um, But I liked one of his posts and then ended up reaching out to him. This was at a time where I never sent personalized messages. I don't remember what I sent you, but it was a personalized note, and then you ended up replying to it. Um, We slowly built that connection or relationship we got on a call like a month later or something like that and um, that's how we know each other basically a prime example of how a reach out could create a long-lasting friendship with someone else someone who you have never met
2: you nailed it you nailed it <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't add anything else i'll maybe give you another example real quick um i met i basically reached out to someone who was in the social impact space um in like january of 2020 this is like back in the day uh had a great conversation with him. He introduced me to someone else um, who was a guest on my podcast. That person introduced me to someone else who was also a guest on my podcast. Uh, this individual, me and him got super close. Um, we ended up meeting in Toronto for drinks. You know, He ended up introducing me to a lot more people. So that's sort of how that chain works is that maybe with the first two people, I wasn't like super close to them, but they introduced me to someone else who like we, we like really hit it off as an example. So that's that chain. And of course, I was saying your example was perfect. Um, but that's the kind of examples that you get from just, you know, when you put yourself out there and you open yourself up to the world right, with that aspect.
0: Um, you mentioned that through your podcast and through networking, you landed quite a few jobs or interesting roles. So I was just curious as to when you know a job or role is right for you, especially when you're entering the job market for the first time.
2: So normally it's, it's what I've done is I've tried to like reach out to people that are in that role to get a better idea of what the day-to-day looks like. That's been my best way of knowing it. At the same time, you wouldn't know until you actually start the role yourself. I said that's another thing as well. Um, a great example was my first, like my my first role that I kind of like stumbled into was um, in Jan 2021. Um, I was running my podcast at that time, and um, I got connected with you know this this person that was he was running a podcast booking agency. And this was an agency that basically they would like do PR by booking like these entrepreneurs on like podcasts, you know, like how uh, you have these PR companies that they book you on like, you know, shows or like or TV channels and all that kind of stuff, same thing, but for podcasts and um, me and him had, had a conversation cause we were in the podcasting space like six months before that. I just kept in touch with him, you know, followed up with him, all that kind of stuff. And then like in Jan 2021, he reaches out to me. He's like, Hey, we have this role. We need a customer success manager. Um, from like my conversation with you, you seem like you really know how to deal with people and you have like, you're in the podcasting space, you know, let's jump on a call. Let's see if you want to work with us. Then I just kind of learned a bit about the role. It's like, this looks interesting. I don't know if I'm going to like it as such, but hey, let's take the plunge. Um, And I got in and it was an incredible experience. You know, it was there for about five to six months and learned like a crazy amount. And that kind of taught me that customer success is something that I would be interested in in the future because you sell, but you're also like developing relationships with clients. So that was a thread that I followed. Um, And then after that, I went to a sales profession. That was great as well. Um, Because I started to realize that I do enjoy client-facing roles after doing customer success. So normally, um, what I would say is, um, and this is something that one of my mentors told me, where you basically, you look at something that you might find interesting and you follow that thread for a bit. So let's say you're like, I really enjoy, I don't know. I I find the project manager's sound like they're doing really cool work. Maybe what you can do is to follow that thread. You would speak to like two or three project managers. Then you're like, what they're doing sounds really interesting. Okay. Let me maybe do a course in project management. Wow. That course is a lot of fun. Let me like, you know, do an internship or apply for jobs in that space. And before you know it, you're starting to follow that thread more and more and more until you realize that project management is your, like your calling or whatever. Um, so I think it's about starting to follow that thread and seeing whether you like it and then not being able, like not being afraid to cut that thread when you know, it's not for you and you want to move to something else.
1: And like talking about that thread, like cutting the thread by itself is a risk. It's a risk that some people are not willing to take. Um, you know, like we, we all know people who stay in the same job for years and years and years, even though they feel unhappy, like unsatisfied, dissatisfied and so many other things. So I guess it's it's important to be aware of that as we are graduating and entering the market on when is the good time to like, you know, decide that. Um, There's also a financial perspective to it too, right? Some people don't have enough savings to be able to take that risk. That's why they say it's good to have this thing called an emergency fund where it covers like three to 18 months of your expenses should you want to change jobs and not have anything lined up right now. Um, So I think that's amazing points you talked about.
2: Yeah, you nailed it on the head. I mean, um, of course, like, you know, let's say you're not happy with your current job. Uh, there's always, if it's if it's a nine to five, hopefully it's a nine to five, not a nine to nine. Uh, but there's always opportunities to do stuff from your five to nine, whether that's starting a side hustle, I know it's easier said than done, but whether it's starting a side hustle or whether that's, you know, doing courses that you find interesting. Like as an example, I was in a, sale, I'm a, I'm in a sales job, but at the same time, I'm taking a course on like um, user design um, and on like building apps. Cause I was like, let me try to follow this to try to see if I enjoy it. Worst case scenario, it's like a six, six week course, worst case scenario in six weeks. I'm like, this is never for me. And I don't ever want to touch building apps again in my life. But at least I know that now. Um, and there's less risk to take something like that because it's a free course and I can take it on the side from, in my five to nine. Uh, so try to find these like, you know, these low risk opportunities that you can take outside your job if that's something that you want to switch out of basically.
1: Are there like any other current side projects that you are involved in or you are very passionate about?
2: Uh, yeah, another one that I've recently launched ready to start of January uh, is a uh, productivity coaching business. So basically coaching entrepreneurs, busy professionals on, you know, uh, becoming more productive, producing their overwhelm, especially a lot of them tend to have like a huge never-ending to-do list or they don't want to prioritize tasks that stops them from achieving, like, let's say their revenue goals, or their business goals. So just basically helping them to streamline that. Um, That's something that I started recently, really passionate about the productivity space. So um, that's been really fun. Um, And uh, coaching by itself can also be really fun as well. Um, So yeah, again, look, I'm just following a thread. Three months down the line, maybe I realize that this is not for me and I start something else. Um, But at least I'm enjoying it right now. so, So we'll see how it goes.
0: Um, just one final question. Uh, do you have any general advice for current Western students and in particular those graduating?
2: It sounds a bit cliche, but the greatest things, it's a quote, so it's not me that said this please. Um, but it's the greatest things in life that come, the greatest things in life come outside your comfort zone. So, um, figure out what are ways in your day that you can kind of induce that in. So whether that's, Hey, I'm going to reach out to three professionals, in a specific field that I'm interested in on LinkedIn, because that's going to really push myself outside my comfort zone, or whether that's you know posting content on LinkedIn or, or Instagram or whatever you know where you're sharing your thoughts, something that pushes the boundaries of what you believe, what like what you set for yourself. Um, I think that would be the biggest thing. Another example could be you know um, reaching out to someone new on Western Campus to see what they're up to, as an example. So any way that you can kind of instill that. Uh, into your life, whether that's on a weekly basis and a daily basis, uh, just having a bit of discomfort can, can really help from that perspective.
1: That's great advice. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention is if you're not following the Vish on LinkedIn yet, please do. He shares tips here and there about his uh, productivity business. So if you would love to learn on how it's like to be an entrepreneur or start something from scratch, he's a good example for that.
2: Thank you so much to the both of you. This is a, was really fun and uh, always happy to give back to the Western community. Um, and yeah, Pasen and Madison, you both are great. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to hear about your Western journey and of course your journey post-grad so far. And yeah, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Voices of Western podcast. Once again, be sure to check us out on all of our social media and yeah, have a good day.